I'm Chris Epting, and this is Roadside Baseball, the podcast. Today's story, for me, is one that's deeply emotional. It involves something that has only happened once in the major leagues. There are not a lot of things that have happened just one time in baseball. And this one I wish had never happened at all. But it did. To best appreciate the power of the story, we need to go to the great baseball city of Cleveland, Ohio, to a place at the corner of 66th and Lexington. There's still a baseball diamond here, which is a good thing, because this is the former site of League Park. They got rid of the ballpark in 1951, but not completely, thank goodness. We'll get to that in a little while. League Park was a remarkably intimate ball yard, tucked snugly into a neighborhood just outside of downtown. They first played baseball on this site back in the late 1800s when Cy Young started his career here with the Cleveland Spiders. When you stand here today, there are many things that might pop into your mind. After all, so much history was made on this very diamond. August 11, 1929, Babe Ruth hits his 500th home run against the Indians. September 13, 1936, a 17-year-old Bob Feller struck out 17 athletics in a two-hit victory. And July 16, 1941, Yankee center fielder Joe DiMaggio stretched his hitting streak to 56 games. But those are not the events I focus on when I stand on the field at the site of Old League Park. I think about something else that happened here, one of the most touching moments in baseball history. Let me back up. It was August 16, 1920. The Cleveland Indians were in New York to play the Yankees at the Polo Grounds. It would be three years before the Yankees would outgrow the famous bathtub-shaped ballpark and build their own stadium just across the river. This was Babe Ruth's first year with the Yankees. He was in right field on this fateful day. On the mound for the Yankees was a pitcher named Carl Mays, a somewhat infamous player known for spitballs and a ferocious submarine-style underhanded pitch. Mays was also known for a habit of throwing inside to any batter who hugged the plate. He was typically among the American League leaders in hit batsmen. In fact, in his rookie season of 1915, Mays was involved in a heated confrontation with Ty Cobb of the Detroit Tigers. Mays threw near Cobb each time he came to bat. In the eighth inning, after another close pitch, Cobb threw his bat in Mays' direction, calling him a, quote, no-good son of a bitch. Mays defiantly hit Cobb with the next pitch. The incident cemented Mays' reputation as a headhunter. A light rain was falling in the top of the fifth inning as 29-year-old Cleveland shortstop Ray Chapman let off. As disliked as Mays was, Chapman was adored. As the Society for American Baseball Research wrote, quote, 
As good as Chapman was on the field, he was even more beloved for his infectious cheerfulness and enthusiasm off of it. One of the most popular players in Cleveland Indians history, Chapman was a gifted storyteller who played the piano and even once won an amateur singing contest. The good-humored shortstop also had a wide circle of admirers outside the game. His show business friends included Al Jolson, William S. Hart, and Will Rogers. One newspaper described Chapman as a man who was, quote, as much at home in the ballroom as on the ball diamond. Angered that Chapman was crowding the plate at this at-bat, Mays let loose with a high fastball that Chapman apparently never saw coming. Back then, baseballs were often left in play for long periods, and after getting scuffed, dirty, and marked up with tobacco juice, they became hard for hitters to see. The impact of the ball striking Chapman in the head was so loud that Mays, thinking it had hit Chapman's bat and was in play, caught the ball as it bounced onto the field and threw it to Wally Pip at first base. Chapman, trying to take his base after being hit by the pitch, fell to the ground twice and was unable to get up. This was 30 years before players were required to wear batting helmets. In 1920, they didn't even really exist. Cleveland teammate Tris Speaker raced from the on-deck circle to check on Chapman. He was joined by several players from the Indians and the Yankees. Mays, however, never left the mound. Chapman was bleeding profusely from his ear. He was helped off the field and taken to nearby St. Lawrence Hospital on 163rd Street, just a few blocks from the polo grounds. The building is still there today, but it's no longer a hospital. At this site, surgeons operated and discovered a skull fracture. Chapman initially seemed to rally after the surgery, but he died early in the morning on the following day, leaving behind a pregnant wife and thousands more who loved him. Ray Chapman remains the only major league player ever to be killed by a pitch. His teammates were devastated. They wore black armbands for the rest of the season and remarkably playing in honor of their beloved fallen teammate. They made it to the World Series playing against the Brooklyn Dodgers. The Indians beat the Brooklyn Dodgers five games to two in a series that featured an unassisted triple play, the first World Series Grand Slam, and the first World Series home run by a pitcher. All of these occurred in Game 5 at League Park. But nothing could overshadow the championship, the very first for the Indians, and how it seemed like destiny after the death of Ray Chapman. The next season, Chapman's death prompted a new edict for umpires to frequently replace the game ball with a new clean ball. Pitchers complained about the difficulty of gripping the fresh baseballs, but batters loved it. Inspired by the big swings of Babe Ruth and armed with cleaner, livelier baseballs, strikeouts hit an all-time low in the 1920s. Eight batters achieved a 400 average and home runs soared. Due to this tragic accident, the live ball era had begun. Today in Cleveland, there are still ways to connect with the memory of Ray Chapman. He is buried at Lakeview Cemetery in Cleveland. Fans still go there today, 99 years later, and leave small tributes in his honor.
Not long after Chapman died, a bronze plaque was designed in his honor, funded by donations from the fans. The plaque was dedicated and hung at League Park and was then moved to Cleveland Stadium in 1946 when the Indians moved. Sometime in the early 1970s, however, the plaque disappeared. It was rediscovered while the Indians were moving from Cleveland Stadium to Jacobs Field after the 1993 season. In February of 2007, workers discovered the plaque again while cleaning out a storage room at Progressive Field. Covered by 13 years of dust and dirt, the bronze surface had oxidized to dark brown, and the text was illegible. The plaque was cleaned up and made part of Heritage Park at Progressive Field, where you can see it today as part of the Indians Hall of Fame, of which Ray Chapman is a member. But back at the site of League Park, Going back to where this whole story started, what do I think about most when I stand on the diamond at the site of League Park today? Well, one year to the day after Ray Chapman was hit by the pitch that killed him, the Indians were playing the Philadelphia Athletics. In the fifth inning, when Indians infielder Bill Wamsgans came to bat, he took one pitch, a ball, and then stepped out of the box. Then, the umpire called timeout. There was no formal announcement. Everyone just knew. This was the exact spot in the lineup where Ray Chapman had been killed exactly one year earlier. All of the players emerged from the dugouts, and they all removed their caps. The fans, sensing what was happening, all stood as one. For one minute, the only sound on the field was a light wind rippling through the flags in the outfield. Sixty seconds of silence. Then, with no other fanfare, the game resumed. Today at this site, there are plenty of treats for fans of baseball history. You'll find a baseball museum in the old team offices, part of the outer stadium wall, and the actual diamond laid out exactly as it was more than a 100 years ago. Of course, there are also precious memories encapsulated here, including that moment when players and fans all stood in silence together to honor a friend. Ray Chapman, the only man ever killed by a pitch in a Major League Baseball game. I'm Chris Epting, and this is Roadside Baseball 